morning, good afternoon, good evening, North Stream, good evening, this to you guys on tech. I am Eagle Falcon. It's CES week. That means there is a whole lot of of fantastic, wonderful, amazing, mind-blowing, incredible tech devices that were announced today that you will never, ever see. Such is the nature of CES. This year especially, I got a feeling we're just not going to see these uh, uh, the the overwhelming majority of these things. Just because now everything was virtual. People didn't even have to go through the effort of making a physical prototype for their vaporware this year. All they had to do was just show a video of it but i digress we're gonna cover all of that first off though a little bit of an update to uh what was breaking news last time we did eagle eyes on tech um we were specifically covering the twitter competitor parlor and at the time we covered it on eagle eyes on tech it was pulled from the Google Store, the Google Play Store, so you could no longer get it on Android. It was being threatened to be removed on Apple, on iOS, and the latest we heard about it as we wrapped up the show was that it reached number one in the store because everyone started downloading it expected it to be removed because Parler is very stubborn in the way they do things. Well, here's an update for you. To note to the surprise of literally no one, it was pulled from the Apple iOS store. What was a bit of a surprise was that Amazon Web Services kicked Parler off their servers. Their reasoning for do for doing so, um was understandable. But very, very poor. The reasoning for Amazon to deny services to Parler was that their tool could be used to incite violence. I cover this on Eagle Eyes on Tech, but that is a terrible standard to put out there because literally then any device that allows two people to talk can be considered a service that could incite violence. I understand why they did it. But at the same time, that means Facebook should not be on any services because it was actually used to incite violence. Quite a few times during the summer. Twitter should not be on the web either by those standards. Neither should Discord, MSM messaging app, WhatsApp, literally anything. But you know, Amazon Web Services, you go ahead and uh, go ahead and try to 
enforce that standard without looking hilariously biased. And I hope you enjoy the inevitable lawsuits. As of this moment, uh, Parler is in the middle of suing Google, Apple, and Amazon. I have no idea how those are going to go. I got a feeling considering current events that uh, those stories will not be covered. And it's going to be very difficult for me to get an update on those stories. But we'll see. Rumor says that Parler found a web service that will host their services. At the same time, though, um, someone has found a way to find every single deleted Parler post, despite the fact that the services are down. And many of them have user data associate or user location data associated with them. So. Pretty much at this point, all we can do is just throw our hands in the air and go, this is going to be a absolute cluster F. Uh, amazing. I mean, it can't get worse than that, right? Oh, wait, I forgot WhatsApp exists. So WhatsApp um, is in a very awkward spot. WhatsApp recently put out, in fact, this was the story last week, that uh, they will be changing their privacy policy to say such that Facebook will, Facebook being the company that owns WhatsApp, will in fact mine your data on this service that has end-to-end encryption and privacy is the whole point of using WhatsApp, despite the fact that Facebook owns it and Facebook says, we are going to mine pretty much everything we can out of WhatsApp. And if you don't like it, leave. Well, WhatsApp has decided they are going to Suspend that policy for three months. And then consider what they're going to do with it. Not that it matters, because as we covered last week, there was already signs that Facebook has been mining data off WhatsApp, despite the fact that, that, well, the whole point of WhatsApp is that it's all encrypted and no one can see it. To which I ask, what's the point? So this is now causing a bit of concern in the tech world saying, should you ditch WhatsApp? To which I'd ask the ask the question. It's owned by Facebook. Why the heck haven't you dished it already? What are you stupid? When was the last time Facebook was honest about anything? Doesn't anyone else notice this? Every single time Facebook says we value the privacy of our customers every single time they have been found to have been liars every single time you know whatsapp is owned by facebook 
You're on WhatsApp because of privacy. It's owned by Facebook. One plus one equals two. Do basic math. This should not be hard for anyone to figure out. And the fact that it's it'd be one thing if it was those who are just like, whatever, I don't care about the back end or that sort of thing. You know, I just want to go ahead and use my apps and, and whatnot. Okay, I get that. I understand that. The average the average WhatsApp user is just someone that just wanna go, just wanna use their phone and go, haha, phone grow burr. I get that. Not everyone is as much of a tech enthusiast as me. I understand that. The thing is, is that the people that are asking this question right now that are the loudest in trying to figure out should we ditch WhatsApp or not is the tech media. You report on the behavior of tech companies for a living. What is wrong with you? Anyway, if uh, if you are currently using WhatsApp and you feel that your privacy is the number one priority, I would recommend switching applications because WhatsApp is owned by Facebook. And despite the fact they say they value your privacy, Facebook has yet to value your privacy at all. And in fact, not only sells your data, but leaks it out for free because Facebook is even bad at being Facebook. Stop using WhatsApp. Stop using Facebook. Stop using anything owned by Facebook if you value your privacy. I do not believe I could spell it out any more simply than that. Are we all on the same page? And you can say, that's just like your opinion, man. I understand that. It is my opinion. It is my opinion that has been drawn from the experience I have reporting on the shenanigans that happen on the internet for over five years. For over five years, I've been doing this. And for over five years, Facebook has yet to not actually leak out any of your information and has yet to actually not mine for data. And in fact, has publicly said, as we mentioned last week, that we have been mining data off WhatsApp ever since we got it. Have I made myself clear enough? I hope that this moment can help. I'm not even kidding either about tech media being like, should we ditch WhatsApp? Just imagine like the dumbest face I could possibly come up with. I don't know what the heck is completely off topic. I have no idea what the heck is going on with the back end on Twitch. But holy cow, the API that sends signals out on who is live and who isn't has been so delayed that my Discord bot that announces when I'm live literally waits until 20 minutes in to say I'm live. It used to do it within 45 seconds of me being live, and now it's 20 minutes. 
Uh, I am so disappointed. And I, I'm not going to blame the bot because the bot has been uh, dead on for YouTube. But man, what the heck's going on with Twitch? Anyway, let's shift gears. Uh, the uh, British Heart Rhythmic Society it wants to put out a massive warning to anyone who is using a pacemaker and the iPhone 12. To to those of us in the know, this is going to seem like a big no-duh, but this is kind of an important thing to put out there because a lot of people who are who would use a pacemaker are not going to end up being like tech enthusiasts that want to go and know everything about any kind of tech. They even those they don't own because the iPhone 12 introduced the feature of MagSafe, which is a large ring of very powerful magnets so that accessories can connect to it. The British heart rhythm society Wants to remind you, if you use a pacemaker, do not have the iPhone 12 in your front pocket near the pacemaker. You're going to have a bad time. They also say to do this with, with an ICD or an implantable cardioverter defibrillator. This also might just be a long word form for a pacemaker i'm not gonna lie i'm not sure i'm a tech enthusiast not a medical expert i only play a medical expert on tv sometimes except not really then so that's actually an important thing to have ring video doorbell has said that they are going to add End-to-end video encryption to its doorbells and security cameras starting three days ago. Or if you're, or well, uh, starting on January 13th. All right, all right, all right, all right. I know I was up late last night. I'm not going to lie. I'm kind of tired. Because I had a metric ton of stories to sift through and prep for this podcast. But I could have swore Ring said they were going to add end-to-end video encryption a couple months ago. Are they doing it again or are we just giving more information about the thing we already promised? I'm not going to lie. I'm a little confused. But I guess at the very least, we have a date for a bare basic feature that should have been part of a security system in the first place. Has anyone else noticed that the moment Amazon gets their hands on another company, that company starts their their quality and competence just seems to fall through the floor? Hmm. Speaking of rings and competence, Ring Ring's uh, neighbors app exposes users' precise locations and home addresses. The opt-in feature is supposed to let 
Your neighbors gather more information about various things in the neighborhood, such as porch piracy. However, the app reveals much, much more information, such as the exact location and home addresses of everyone to basically everyone. You know, for a security company, they are really, really, really bad at security. I'm just going to throw that out there. Speaking of being bad at things, Google is going to be closing the Fitbit acquisition. So, a few months ago, a few months ago, uh, Google has acquired Fit, said they were going to start acquiring Fitbit, and, um, well, that just seems to have gone nowhere. So it's been kind of weird that we haven't heard anything anything new about the Fitbit acquisition of Google. And really, there's a reason for it. They've been waiting on the Department of Justice approval. Well, without diving too deep into politics, again, which I keep trying to avoid on this tech podcast, um, the Department of Justice has been a little preoccupied with current events, to say the least. So uh, Google is declaring that uh, the Department of Justice now has uh, failed to file a dispute within the allotted time limit. So they are just going to close on the Fitbit acquisition. I'm not going to lie. I don't. I mean, Google, you're you're a, you're more of a legal expert than I. I don't think you really want to go ahead and just uh, move on with something like this without the Department of Justice approval. Th- that doesn't really seem like a great plan, but, you know, you do you, Google. We'll see how well that works for you. On the bright side, though, speaking of things on the Internet, Dark Market has been shut down, which is apparently the world's largest illegal dark web marketplace. I'm not really covering it because, woohoo, oh yeah, big, big blow. I'm more surprised the fact that one of the biggest illegal dark web marketplaces that is in, like, the underground and goes and sells everything that shouldn't be sold just has such a blatantly obvious name as Dark Market. It just seems very plain. It seems like something the stuffed animal next to me would have come up with. I'm just surprised. It seems like the pseudonym someone would have come up with for like a double of the world's most illegal dark web marketplace. Maybe it is. However, apparently the place is enormous. Over 500,000 users, 2,400 sellers, over 320,000 transactions, and 
4,650 bitcoins is the expected transaction rate. Also, 12,000 Monero, whatever the heck Monero is. Although, speaking of Bitcoin, holy cow, has the world turned on Bitcoin like that? In an instant, Bitcoin dipped a bit. We talked about, was it last week or the week before that Bitcoin hit like huge caps? What's the current Bitcoin rate? But like the instant it dropped, like about 25%, everyone just said, up, Bitcoin's dead. It's all over. Bitcoin's dead. It only dropped $6,000. It still sat at its lowest point after the dip of $34,000. Currently, right now, it slid up because people thought it was a low point, and now it is trending back down. It is currently sitting at $37,230.50 as of Saturday when we recorded this podcast. But holy cow, everyone saw that dip and just like, oh, that's it. Bitcoin's worthless. Everyone abandoned ship. The the, the dream is dead. If there's one thing I've learned, do not underestimate everyone's willingness to spend money on a currency that has absolutely nothing backing it. (sighs) But what can you do? We're going to take a quick break here when we come back. The fate of Star Wars games is actually up in the air. Welcome back, Eagle Eyes on Tech. I'm Eagle Falcon. All right. Well, one thing that is going of the wayside. Only EA having the right to make Star Wars games. Ubisoft is going to be making an open world Star Wars game, which I really, really hope is going to end up well. Ubisoft has always been kind of hit and miss with me. Mostly because they either, whenever Ubisoft makes a game, it, it's either knocked out of the park or is, or is a giant nightmare. There's almost never a, eh, it was okay, Ubisoft game. The other thing right now is that a ton of people are questioning whether open world games are the right way to go. And it's all cyberpunk's fault. Cyberpunk 2077 and having its poor console launch is really making everyone reconsider whether open world games are the way to go. I know I'm just one guy with a very small audience, but please, please stop listening to them. Just, just, Go ahead, focus on an open world game, and just try to make it as clean as possible. We expect in an open world game, there's going to be some flaws. 
It's inevitable. It's okay. Just, just put, put your best foot forward. That's pretty much all I can say. That also being said, I'm not going to lie. EA has missed the mark over and over and over and over again with Star Wars. And to see someone else get a crack at it. Kudos to you. That being said, though, a lot of other people have now started to speculate. Since Lucas Game Studio is willing to give the Star Wars rights to other game developers, who would make a better Star Wars game next? And that's a very good question, isn't it? I could speculate forever, but uh, let's be perfectly honest. Um, There's really no point, and it's really going to be up to LucasArts as to what it all happens. So I guess in the end, we'll see how things go. EA, however, promises that uh, they will be making more Star Wars games down the road. To which all I can say is thanks. I hate it. Honestly, though, I mean, just try not to be as EA as possible, pretty please. I'm just saying, EA has a bad reputation. In other uh, larger game news, the Harry Potter RPG that, uh, I'm not going to lie, until this article crossed my radar, I completely forgot was going to be a thing, has been officially delayed until 2022. And I'm willing to bet your reaction was, oh, oh, well, okay. I forgot it existed. At least that's what I imagine a lot of people's re- reaction was. How many actually remember that the uh, the Harry Potter RP- RPG was in the works? Show of hands, actually, in our live chat at twitch.tv slash Eagle Falcon. So far, we have one person just saying, you're vaporware, Harry. Wow. Now I can't help but just uh, just imagine uh what, what god what is the man I am now blanking on a whole lot of uh Harry, Harry, what Hagrid? I want to I want to say is the 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 big guy's name. Just Hagrid go, going through the entire CS halls going your vaporware. This is starting to get silly. Let's shift gears. NVIDIA has, in fact, announced their new RTX 3000 series mobile GPUs that we have no idea how well it's going to perform because no one has done any independent testing of it yet, but they exist. And considering the fact they're mobile GPUs, And there's no way cryptocurrency miners are going to go and buy a whole laptop for cryptocurrency mining. There is actually a chance that you might be able to own an RTX 3000 series graphic card 
It's just going to be trapped in a laptop. <laughs> this is what we're reduced to now. <laughs> One day, the supply will meet demand. One day. It's going to, it's also going to be very hard to see what the pricing is going to be on these GPUs since, well, only the manufacturers are going to know and it's going to depend on the rest of the cost of the laptop. But hey, at least it's good to know that mobile RTX 3000 is on its way. In addition, all the rumors we, we kept hearing about the RTX 3060 is true, but... There's something very interesting about the 3060. One, unlike all the other RTX 3000 GPUs, this one is a price increase from its 2000 series counterpart. Every other GPU at the high end for the RTX 3000 series is a drastic price decrease compared to the 2000 series. This one is $30 more expensive than the RTX 2060. But it gets weirder than that. Because on paper, this thing is pretty much a downgrade from the RTX 3060 Ti, which is expected, by the way. Except in RAM. The 12 gigabytes of RAM that kept being rumored is true. Which is super awkward because the RTX 3060 Ti has only 8 gigabytes of RAM. So why? What? Now granted, the RAM doesn't make a whole lot of difference on a GPU. For those who just want the I-I-don't-get-it sort of approach, more RAM on a graphic card just basically means the higher resolution you can play a game at. Assuming everything else on the GPU can keep up with playing at a certain resolution. For example, if you have a pretty low-end GPU, you're going to be restricted to 720p gaming or 1080p gaming. If you have a really high-end GPU, you're probably playing at 1440p or 4K. The lower resolution, the less the graphic card has to work, and the better performance you're going to have. If you run out of RAM, you're just simply not going to be able to play at those higher resolutions. I know it's more complicated than that, but that's basically the layman's way of looking at graphic card RAM. And for the most part, it's not incorrect. So the RTX 3060 is kind of a weird one to look at. And of course, most people are looking at the RTX 3060 going, oh, neat. Can I actually get one unlike every other RTX 3000 series graphic card? Because I'm pretty sure the only way I can get one of those is by printing out a piece of paper and... Taping that on the inside of my computer. Yay. So we'll see. It'll be coming out late February. We'll see. 
how many are made. Now, we've been hearing rumors about We've been hearing rumors about the RTX 3080 Ti. Well, it has been apparently, according to sources from Gamers Nexus, been delayed indefinitely. The primary reason being that no one can get any RTX 3000 series graphic cards anyway. So what's the point? To which I'd say... That's a very good question. We still don't know. So at least we have that going for us. In other weirder news, um, Nintendo has decided to not learn anything and has started issuing copyright claims to take down any videos that show the Nintendo Game & Watch being modified to play other Nintendo games. Alright, Nintendo. Alright, come in. A L- little bit closer, come on. Alright, alright, are you listening? You remember how during the Wii U era, everyone kept saying you were out of touch? This right here, this nonsense that you're doing right now, by copyright claiming anything that makes you a little annoyed, that is not helping your public image, like, at all. And it's going to hurt you a lot. It's not that complicated! It's an innocent mod to go ahead and get something running on something that normally doesn't. This literally happens on every device. Literally every device at one point or another, someone tries to get Doom running on it. Lo and behold, someone got doomed to run on the Nintendo Game and & Watch. And your first instinct, Nintendo, is to copyright claim it. Bravo! Bravo, Nintendo! Good job. Good job. Just, just you, you keep believing that being the fun police is the correct road to get in with gaming culture that's the smart way to go thank you phone for deciding to interrupt this important podcast all right before we get to the next break and then i call that person back uh let's talk about what was announced at the Samsung what do they call it the unpacked event I don't care Samsung's thing that they decided to interrupt CES with Samsung announced three new phones earbuds and smart tags nobody cares about I'm not gonna lie I am super conflicted 
about the Samsung Galaxy S21. So there's three phones. The S21, the S21 Plus, and the S21 Ultra. All right, so those are those are the three phones. As you probably expect, the S21 and the S21 Plus are basically the same phone except for the screen size. I actually am not sure if the article I have here has the screen size. Um, I do not have the screen size available right in front of me. Not that it really matters, because let's be honest, anytime I mention screen sizes... You're just going to go ahead and go to your local cell phone store, assuming they'll allow you to anyway to get a look at it yourself and see how it feels in your hand, which, quite frankly, is what you should do in the first place when you're going ahead and getting a device like a smartphone and you know you're going to be committing to that device on the daily basis for at least two years. That's just the natural way of things. All right, so we have that for starters. The oddball thing, though, is that the prices went down. The S21 starts at $800. The S21 Plus starts at $1,000. And the S21 Ultra starts at $1,200. Now, the 21 Ultra, it it is a price downgrade considering the S20 Ultra and the Note 20 Ultra. But it's still north of that $1,000 mark, which makes it a bit yikes. Those cameras, on the other hand, once we see independent reviews of how well those cameras work, it might be worth it to someone. It might be worth it to me as someone who'd be using their phone as a vlogging device. I'm not sure, though. But here's what has me conflicted on these phones. The S21 is plastic-backed. The S21 Plus and the S21 Ultra are both glass-backed. I'm torn whether $800 is okay for a plastic phone. I guess if you go ahead and buy a case, it doesn't matter. But that still just feels kind of, really? Plastic? It's going to scratch like nobody's business. But at least it won't shatter, I suppose. And then, of course, there's other elephants in the room. Despite the fact that Samsung made fun of Apple for selling phones without a power adapter... Well, because Samsung are basically sheep, all three of these phones do not ship with a power adapter. In fact, if the early unboxings are anything to go by, they don't even ship with a power cable. It is literally just the phone in the box. So there's already that. At least the price went down to compensate it. 
but it's still kind of a yikes. Uh, the other thing is that these phones do not support any sort of ridiculous fast charging. Honestly, that's probably for the best. As I've said every single time, one new phone brags about 65 watt freaking fast charging. I go, how much do you hate your battery? Fast charging like that just absolutely strains and shortens the lifespan of lithium ion batteries. There's no other way to go about it. So to see Samsung stick with a more conservative 25 watt fast charging, it's honestly probably for the best. Especially if you have, I actually don't have one ne- next to me, but um, one uh, any kind of special battery pack that has a USB-C power delivery system. Like I got two that can power a device over USB-C up to 60 watts. Well, there's no way for me to control that. So to know my phone would just instantly start sucking all 60 watts. It's kind of a, oh boy. The other thing, though, with these Samsung phones, and this actually is very, very concerning. Guess what else is gone? And this one actually is one I have a problem with. Expandable storage is gone. All right, good job. Good, good job, Samsung. You have officially gone full hypocrite. The headphone jack is gone. Expandable storage is gone. You're you're basically Apple, but running Android. And I, for one, am very, very disappointed. So that's pretty much it. Which means that if you go ahead and you want to go and get the S21 Ultra as your like on the go vlogging device, you might have to shell up extra to get one with more storage. And on top of that, the more Samsung is doing this model where the higher storage capacity, the more RAM the phone has as well. That being said, I don't think the RAM amount's going to matter a whole lot for these phones because they start at 8 gigabytes of RAM. That is more than enough for Android currently, as far as I'm understanding. Maybe someone else will... will find that their use case requires more RAM. Maybe. I kind of doubt it, though. Another bit of an oddity, the rumor about the S21 Ultra supporting the note pens is true. However, there's nowhere to store the S Pen on the phone. You have to get a case made by Samsung for the S21 to have a slot to store the pen. Yeah, I'm going to be very curious on these phones once they're finally reviewed by independent sources. 
In addition, Samsung also revealed new high-end earbuds. They follow more of the design cues of their first-gen ones, where they're kind of in-ear and much more discreet. With a lot more pro features, those sell for $200. Their other models, their basic ones, and their live ones still sell $100, $150, and such. I actually have the kidney bean ones. They're actually fairly nice. All right, we're going to take another break here when we come back. News about Samsung processors and AMD. And, of course, all the wonderful CES news is still coming up. Welcome back, Eagle Eyes on Tech. I'm Eagle Falcon. So we talked about it in the past, about how Samsung wanted to partner up with AMD... To have a Radeon GPU on their next Exynos processor. Well, guess what? That is not this generation of uh, Exynos processor. While the S21s do have the next-gen Exynos and uh, Snapdragon processors to pay on your region, these Exynoses do not have the AMD ones. That is next year. Now, here's the real question. Will Samsung just finally be able to sell phones with the Exynos processor in North America? For whatever reason, and I still don't know what the reason is. All the Samsung phones do not ship with their own processor in the U.S. They always have Snapdragons. And the reason being is, I don't know. I'm 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 sure it's some trade nonsense that the moment someone starts explaining to it, I'm going to fall asleep instantly because it just ends up devolving to politics. And <laughs> but in any case, the next gen Exynoses will apparently have Radeon graphics. So I guess we'll see what ends up happening with that. And also, will that mean there's, is there going to be a fan inside those particular smartphones? There's the other real question. AMD does say that RDNA 2 GPU-powered laptops will arrive in the first half of 2021. AMD announced a lot of, of new stuff at CES, but most importantly... And I'm going to be covering the, and actually, it's actually my next one, is the fact that Ryzen 5000 mobile CPUs are coming, were announced now, actually. A lot of the laptops we actually saw at CES were AMD powered, which apparently gives great performance. However, no one could talk about it, which makes getting excited for those laptops really, really hard. But AMD does not have their mobile GPUs ready yet. That will be in the first half of 2021. I mean, AMD, first give us proof that your desktop GPUs exist. I can't get over this. No GPUs are real. 
Everything we know is a lie! We're all just using scrap we find. Modern GPUs are a mess! Anyway, um, so we have that to look forward to, potentially, I guess. I'll be more excited about when there's any sort of proof that it's real. Speaking of things that are real, Intel has, in fact, launched their new CPUs. And for the most part, they are kind of okay. And everyone pretty much yawned as the new Tiger Lake CPUs were uh, just like, oh, okay, you've uh, you're showing us more supposed 10 nanometer, but at 14 nanometer something or another, and more execute speak, and I guess it's okay, and man and it's all gonna be great performance as long as you don't benchmark it the usual intel stuff and they basically put everyone to sleep everyone just kind of either left the room or just fell asleep and intel was so embarrassed about the whole thing that they did the correct decision and told their ceo to gtfo Already, prediction was confirmed. And I, I even said during the prediction episode, Intel has got to get rid of their CEO and has got to go in a completely radical direction or face extinction. Well, Pat Gelsinger is now at the CEO helm, and by now, I mean in one month from now, effective February 15th. The current CEO is stepping down. This CEO has an engineering background, so they're taking a page out of AMD's book, and it's about bloody time, because they can't keep showing up every single year after year after year with 4% improvements and go, Look how amazing we are. You're not! (laughs) It's time to wake up, and this is about time. Oh, what's that? I'm too negative against Intel. You want some positive news? Well, how about this? A record was achieved using the new Intel Rocket Lake flagship CPU to overclock it to over 6.9 gigahertz. Or no, I'm sorry, overclocked to 6.9 gigahertz on liquid nitrogen. Nice. That's it. That's all the good news you're going to get from Intel. 6,900 megahertz. Nice. Now, before you get too excited about Intel actually kicking butt, 
the current rumor mill is set, is saying that Intel's not going to start outsourcing their production yet. Not until the second half of 2021. At least that is the current rumor. For the longest time, Intel has made their own CPUs and actually all their own silicon for the longest time. However, Intel has had a very, very, very difficult time getting below 14 nanometers. And that's a problem, seeing as how the rest of the industry is now pushing five. And in fact, TSMC is start is looking at potentially having three nanometers. Three! All right, well, you got some catching up to do, Intel. I wish you luck. You're going to need it. Shifting gears wildly, we have a hands-on look at Windows 10X for single-screen devices. Windows 10X was announced about how long ago? Over a year ago? And this is supposed to be a lightweight version of Windows for tablet devices and is supposed to be Windows answer to to iPad OS, which honestly has been long overdue. I'm not going to lie. There is just basically no tablet experience like iPad OS. If you if you have a tablet, you either have an over-engineered tablet like I do that runs full-blown Windows 10 and you just kind of kind of sort of use this as a tablet but not really or you have an iPad and you have a fantastic experience using an iPad. It's either one or the other. Anything else, and you basically just go like, oh, this sucks. So, what does Windows 10X show for us? Well, the way it lays out its icons is basically a lot like Chrome OS. Uh, It has a bar at the bottom, much like Chrome OS. Almost everything is web-based, a lot like Chrome OS. And it's... It's it's Chrome OS. (sighs) All right. I'm going to keep an open mind. All right. I'm going to try and keep an open mind. This might not be a bad thing. I mean, a Chrome OS that has more functionality locally so that not everything has to be on the cloud and entirely reliant on a data connection that may or may not go out at an instant. It it might not be a bad thing. All right. It, it, Maybe a more functional version of Chrome OS will prove to be very, very useful for low-powered devices. 
it could quite possibly be the case. Um, but I'm not going to lie. Um, my disappointment is immeasurable and my day is ruined. I need something incredibly outlandish and silly to get my spirits up. Oh, how about a flying car? Yeah, GM releases released a very futuristic concept video for CES, in, which features a quadcopter-like car, single passenger, branded as a Cadillac. Oh, CES. Never change. Never change. Now, unfortunately, something like this, let's be perfectly honest, uh, we're never going to see it. It's never going to be real in this form, and definitely not in the near future. They also showcased a a self-driving microbus sort of thing, also aimed at like basically being a driverless taxi system. It, it'd basically be the same sort of thing that the flying car would be a self-driving taxi sort of service. And it has potential, especially in big cities. But in the end, I just can't help but smile and go, oh, CES, never change. Please never change. All right, how about something a bit more realistic? How about a coffee mug I'm just kidding. It's not. It's a projector the size of a coffee mug. So for your on-the-go business meetings, all you have to do is have a small coffee mug size projector, and it can project what's on whatever directly onto the screen. I'm not going to lie. That's actually kind of interesting. And... Back when I was on the college campus going ahead and doing various this, that, and the other things, going from meeting room to meeting room for various club meetings, this actually would have been very, very handy. I kind of want one, even though like I have no reason to use one. It's kind of cool just to think, oh, hey, just put this in the bag and bam projector no matter where you go i for one welcome our micro projector overlords what's that that's what's that you want something a bit more grounded reality how about the triple webcam laptop that comes complete with a ring light the Avita Admire 2 has three webcams built within the laptop and has a built-in light around the screen of the laptop to illuminate your face so that you have adequate lighting in addition to everything else. It is targeted at streamers specifically. 
to which as someone who has tried to set up streaming rigs on the go, I kind of laugh and chuckle at and just get, yeah, okay, we'll see. Here's what I'd recommend, all right? If you really, 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 really want to go with the uh, streamer laptop, here's what you do, all right? One, the Ryzen 5000 CPU, obviously that's the go-to. Higher core count, yeah, you can go ahead and under underwatt them to go and save on battery life. The GPU, I would honestly go about as low end as you could do, but still have it be a discrete one so you have the option of the NVEC encoder. I don't need no 3080, I don't need no 3090. You know, just go with like a 3050 or whatever. Whatever the lowest one is that has the NVEC encoder. All right? Two. You see this camera that's in my smartphone? That in the bezel of the laptop. I cannot tell you how many of us get sick and tired of these cruddy freaking Logitech C920 webcams. And having to perform all the miracles in the world to get them look basically barely passable. Three, don't bother with the ring light. The 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 ring light around the bezel, it's it's a good idea, but let's be honest, you're not gonna be able to compete with what a real softbox is going to do. There's just no way. But what I would do. Partner up with either Elgato. Or. With Evermedia. And get an HDMI ca- capture card built into the laptop. Just get that HDMI in. Get that HDMI import on the laptop. So it's just one connection to whatever we're capturing from and be done with it. Because let's be perfectly honest, although it is possible to do same PC streaming on a laptop environment, you're going to get nowhere close to what you'd want on same PC streaming. You just won't. That is how you're going to go ahead and build a laptop specifically for streamers. It's never going to happen. And I'm probably going to get a whole bunch of blowback by the purists that go, just, just NVIC and thing and be done with it. To which I'd say, I personally am more of a fan of having the stream look good. Rather than just having it be a lazily cropped in face cam on top of gameplay. We can have the best of both worlds. I'm telling you, it's possible. We're going to take a break here when we come. Actually, no, no, we have have enough time. Never mind. Let's actually move on to the LG rollable smartphone. So we've, this has been teased a bit in the past on Eagle Eyes on Tech, but LG has officially 
showed it off. The smartphone that with the press of a button, the screen will expand as it unrolls. So it'll look like a normal narrow smartphone, but then with the push of a button, it will expand and the screen will unroll within itself and expand with it. Which sounds insane. It sounds amazing. And it is. However, um, you're, you're waiting for me to, 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 to burst the bubble, aren't you? You're waiting for me to point out the obvious problem. Are you waiting for the obvious problem? Are you? Are you? It's still going to scratch to your fingernails because we still haven't figured that part out yet. That's where these all just kind of fall apart to me. It's the fact that you've basically, if you have fingernails at all, unless you like trim them down as often as you can, one wrong swipe and that's it. A permanent mark, permanent damage has been caused to your multi-thousand dollar phone. Someone in chat just says, just get easy. Just get all your fingernails surgically removed. I mean, if you're willing to dish out two grand on a foldable phone or an unrollable phone, I mean, what's another couple thousand dollars to have your fingernails surgically removed and then months of therapy getting used to that being done for you. In other kind of, I can't believe this is really news news, also from CES, OtterBox is launching an Xbox controller shell and phone gaming clip. What? So the thought process with this is that with cloud gaming becoming more and more popular tm and by popular i mean forced upon us whether we like it or not aggressively like a sledgehammer duct tape to a freight train it is expected that more people are going to want controllers to use with their phone with their cloud gaming service whether they like it or not so otterbox wants to have a durable xbox controller that you can attach your phone to so you can game on the go and in case you drop it it's okay normally if this was any other time of the year i'd go otterbox you're stupid no one's gonna ever do this but it's ces so that's kind of the whole point of ces now isn't it is to just do the absolute absurd because you can kind of like having a doorbell that is completely touchless. You heard me a doorbell. You do not touch. 
It just sits where the doorbell would normally be with a camera, and you stand on the placemat to ring the doorbell. I like how we're coming up with all these amazing solutions for COVID times towards hopefully the tail end of these COVID times. It's an interesting concept to say the least, but uh, I don't see a whole lot of people using this solution. Assuming the solution ever sees the light of day. Mostly because very few people even upgrade their basic doorbell. Like the one in my apartment that currently rings nothing. But hey, we'll see. Maybe it'll catch on. Maybe it'll be the future. Maybe in the future we'll just have like the entire door area automatically ring the doorbell when a proximity sensor is tripped. Only time will tell. We'll th- we're going to take another break here when we come back. We need to talk about Razor's entries into CES because they are quite possibly the most Razor things ever. And, of course, we are going to talk about the CES Awards. We have to talk about the CES Awards. It's CES. How could we not? Welcome back, Eagle Eyes on Tech. Yeah, I'm Eagle Falcon. All right, so... Razer pretty much only really announced two things of note. They did try their best to go ahead and... promo up all their various partnerships that nobody cared about. They updated their Razer lineup of laptops with basically two new chips and nothing else. It's just kind of, eh, whatevs. But there were two things in particular that Razer announced that was very, very CES. The first one is called Project Hazel. Project Hazel is a gamer mask. Yes, in these times of COVID, of course, everyone should be wearing a mask. And if you don't want to, it's okay. You have to. It's mandated by some form of governmental order. So everyone must have a mask anyway. I'm not saying that be, I'm not saying that to be salty about anything. I am just saying that is just a fact of the times. No matter how much we want to say otherwise. But what makes Project Hazel kind of interesting is the fact that it went out to try and solve the problem of masks. Because, of course, it's very difficult to interact with other people while wearing a mask. I, for one, when you find me out in public, I am, e- I am either being super sarcastic at you or cracking a joke and try to be as friendly as possible. But if you find me out in public with a mask, I look like a jet fighter pilot. 
I'm not even kidding. I got called Darth Vader exiting the truck complete with the black mask I have and my very dark yellow sunglasses. So of course you can't see see you can't see my smile. You can't see see any of that sort of thing. So what Project Hazel wants to do is that first they made the mask transparent. Okay. They then went ahead and put twin filtration devices basically where you'd have ventilator ports on a on the M95 masks. These filter the air in and out. So in theory, they would be allowed when normal masks would not. Like for example, as someone who has to work with the hospitals, uh I there the mask I normally have is simply not allowed. I have to take one of the disposable ones when when I'm screened at the screening points. These in theory should be allowed because it ventilates in and out. In addition, because it's transparent, you can see their face. It also does have a silicone seal around it, so it should seal. And then on top of that, it has a voice amplification system built into the mask, to which I must ask this. Can I please spray paint the inside so it's opaque and then hook up the voice amplification system to a voice modulator so we can just go full Darth Vader? I cannot be the only person who thought about this. I can't be. There's no way. And of course, because it's made by Razer, it lights up in all the colors of the rainbow. However you want or all at once. If you feel like it. Because it's Razer. No price on it yet. No word if it's going to be a real product at all. I'd say 50-50. And I'm not going to lie. The instant this was announced, this was... I pretty much just assumed this was going to win Best in Show. We'll cover the awards later, however. So, my thoughts on this. I, I Oh yeah, I forgot the I forgot the funniest part about this. It does come with its own case, and that case does have a UV light to kill anything on the mask. But, of course, no word on the price. And that's going to be the big thing. Will this cost under $300? I'm just going to say it right now. I would say the most anyone would pay for this is $150. Maximum. I think the moment it's over that, it's dead on arrival. No amount of RGB in the world is is going to have people go that. Because the moment it's it's $160 or higher, people start going, eh, do I really want to spend that much money on something I may not need in a year? Mm. 
However, Razor still had one more trick up their sleeve, and that might quite possibly be the most amazing stupid thing I have ever seen in my life. Project Brooklyn. A gaming chair. Already off to a bad start, all things considered. A gaming chair with RGB lighting that has cable management built into it. A retractable desk arm. And a unrollable transparent OLED screen built into the chair. This is single-handedly the most sci-fi thing I have seen, second only to the flying car. So the idea is that it looks like a normal chair, but you sit down in it, and the desk arm closes in on you, so you now have your keyboard and mouse and whatever in front of you, and then an arm comes, comes out behind the chair, you don't see it otherwise, Extends down in front of your field of view and then unrolls a transparent screen so you can game on that. And the only reason it's transparent, the only reason it's transparent is that, is that people near you can see what you're gaming. There is no practical reason for this screen to be transparent. Because, of course, now your color is going to be inaccurate because it's transparent. And it just looks sci-fi AF. It's just... <laughs> Alright, be honest, Razor. You just wanted to make the most cyberpunky thing you possibly could. No price on this, of course. It's not going to ever be made. Because no one except, like, the, the, the most crazy of crazy people are going to actually go and get it. But kudos to you, Razor. You win the award in my book for most cyberpunky thing ever made since Cyberpunk 2077. Good job. Now, if you're stressed after all that gaming, don't worry. We have an AI-powered Tribble robot that you can just take with you. It's an emotional support animal robot you can take with you on a plane. It's called the Mofflin. And it says debuted on uh, uh, at CES, originally raising $600,000 on Kickstarter. And you can order one of these tribbles that will not completely invade your starship for $400. I'm curious. I'm interested. I am not $400 worth of interested, to say the least. But you you do you, little little Mofflin. You do you. That being said, I'm going to totally co copy this link and post it in other discords.
Meanwhile, Lasso has worked on a home recycling center for At The Home. The whole point is that it will basically automatically sort garbage for recycling and just make it so that you can recycle, you know, whatever. You're not sure if it can be recycled, just throw it in and it'll just automatically sort it, whether it's recycling or not. I'm actually very curious as to what the accuracy is going to be. It's very easy, especially in a virtual CES, for products like this to just be saying, don't worry, it'll work flawlessly. But in a virtual one, you don't even need the actual physical product to demo it. So, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see how this goes. It'll be interesting. Although, then again, your local laws might be different. Like, for for example, you can recycle, you can recycle plastic bags, right? Out in my neck of the woods, I was actually just informed that you cannot throw plastic bags into the recycling bin. What? Really? It's beyond dumb, but here we are. But I digress. This will be interesting. I guarantee you this is pretty much just going to be like a huge hit on the West Coast. I guarantee it. LG is going to have their 2021 TVs ship with Google Stadia and a game optimizer. We really are just going to keep going on on this uh, notion that Google Stadia is going to still exist, huh? I kind of wonder right now, if it weren't for the fact that all of us were pretty much dead set that Google Stadia is going to not exist in the near future, if Google's just like, well, now I'm not going to kill it, so there, yeah. How many of you think that's kind of the attitude Google has right now in regards to Stadia? That they've already deemed us a failed product, but they're not killing it to prove us wrong. Hmm. In either in either case, neat neat feature added to LG phones, and no one cared. Literally, no one cared. However, LG has decided that they're going to go ahead and make a bed frame with a pop-up transparent see-through OLED TV set built into the bed. Hmm. I mean, once again, this is kind of a cool little thing made for CES, and it's kind of the amazing thing with CES. We imagine what could happen. What could be possible? But I seriously doubt LG is going to get into the world of partnering with a bed company to make a bed frame with a transparent TV that can just pop up. 
Although the demonstration also shows a chunk of it wallets hidden in, only part of it being being on display, showable at a time to give minor information like the time, the current weather, and I'm not going to lie, it looks pretty cool. I would totally do it if it weren't for the fact that I'm so tall, my feet hang off the bed half the time. I, for one, though, still welcome this thought. I think it is really, really cool. Now, we could go over all the laptops, so if we do that, there is no way this episode is going to be under three hours. And quite frankly, a lot of laptops is going to be, it looks nice, but, you know, we don't know the performance because no one's talking about the performance. But there is an interesting trend that's happening in laptops. Almost all of them are QHD. So for the most part, laptop screen resolutions have been either 1366 by 768, 1920 by 1080, Ah, uh, crud. I forgot what the other one was. Uh, 20... Ah, oh, God. I am blanking on what 1440p is, but 1440p or QHD and 4K. Those are basically your laptop resolutions. And for the most part, 4K was hilarious overkill. And 1366 by 768 means that you went ahead and spent $50 on a laptop. And if you paid more than $50, you felt ripped off. Or it's a Chromebook. In which case, you might have still gotten ripped off. I'm sorry, $600 for a Chromebook's a ripoff. I don't care how much Google tries to sell a premium Chromebook experience. That's dumb. And the $1,000 Chromebooks don't even get me started. Why? You know your basic computing. Why the heck would you make... I digress. The trend that is, however, obvious in, at CES is that the gaming laptops, which are normally either 1080p or 4K, are now starting to settle with the addition of the new Ryzen 5000 CPUs and NVIDIA 3000 series GPUs that the default screen resolution should be QHD or 1440p. And let's be perfectly honest, this is a beautiful thing. So 1080p might be good enough for most people. But 1440p still, objectively to almost everyone, is going to look crisper and better than 1080p on 15 and 17 inch screens. 4K, however, you're not going to notice the difference between 1440p and 4K. Not in a screen that small. It's almost literally impossible. And then on top of that, your GPU is now working that much harder for no visible improvement. 
So 1440p on the on these laptops might be a beautiful golden sweet spot. And the fact that almost every gaming laptop is going this trend, honestly, is going to be fantastic. But there's one other trend that is very noticeable. What's vanishing off gaming laptops is the evidence that they're gaming laptops. When you normally think of a gaming laptop, you think a very stylistic look to it, like a freaking space battleship with lights everywhere and these very angular looks and this very aggressive look. Thank you, phone, for making random noise. That was fantastic. Almost none of the gaming laptops at CES have that kind of aggressive, stylized look. Almost all of them are slimmer, lighter, and... If you didn't notice, like, maybe, like, the light-up keyboard or, like, a little bit of lighting here or there, it would very much look like a normal laptop. Stealth is basically now the look of choice for pretty much every single gaming laptop at CES. With only, like, a little bit of a hint of... uh, RGB here or there. I want to say this actually started with the Lenovo Legion. In fact, there was a new Lenovo Legion that was showcased at CES that, well, the only way you'd be able to tell that it was a gaming laptop was with A, if you noticed the Legion logo and know that that's Lenovo's gaming lineup. And if you had the RGB on, you would see the lights at the vents and in the Legion logo. That's it. Now, personally, I'm a weirdo. I actually do like that kind of aggressive, kind of really out there, really eye-catching look. But I understand if people don't want that look. Especially if you go into a business meeting and you only have, like, your one gaming laptop. Do you really want to go into a corporate office with an Alienware? No. So I kind of do... I'm, I'm torn about it. But in the end, I think it's probably for the best. And honestly... In addition, just the fact that they're, because they're going with a more traditional look, the fact they'll be lighter is going to be really, really for the best. Just for our bag's sake, for our back's sake, for everyone's sake. We're going to take, I hope, our last break here. We're going to find out. And when we come back, we have some CES awards to go over. It's going to be good.
Welcome back. Eagle Eyes on Tech. I'm Eagle Falcon. Alright, so, I'm not gonna lie. I do not know if these are the official CES awards. I legit do not know. Last year, Engadget did the CES awards. They were the, the official CES awards. I don't know if this year they ha- had that uh, the right to do that. But Engadget still did do CES 2021 winners. So we're going to go and do those. There's actually a halfway decent chance CES just had no official awards this year at all. With it being all virtual. But this was the first that I got when looking them up, so this is what we're going to go for. And then we're going to go over the verges, which are always just comically bad. So we're going to first talk with talk about the first category, the best accessibility tech. This award went to Good Maps Explore. So, I'm torn on this one. I want to tear this a new one. Because the sole purpose of this is to be a navigation app specifically for those who are disabled. But Google Maps already has abilities built into it to help navigate those who are disabled. However, there is a huge flaw with me pointing out how redundant this is. I am not disabled. Maybe mentally, jury's still out on that one. But physically, I am not disabled in any way, shape, or form. So, I do not know, and actually, and actually for that fact, I don't know anyone who's actually really, truly disabled. So I can't, I have a hard time. I do not have the ability to ask anyone, Hey, what does Google, what does Google maps lack for you? So at this point, I'm going to say, Hey, if this actually does legitimately help those who are disabled, you know, props to them. I have no ability to confirm whether this is good or bad. So neat. Moving on. Best digital health and fitness product. This went to the Omron Vital Site, a set of diagnostic tools you can have at the home to use in coordination with a remote doctor to help perform physicals remotely. This is definitely a tool that is clearly extremely helpful in the current times of the virus. How helpful it will be down the road when we are no longer prisoners in our own home. It's hard to say, isn't it? You could see where it could be helpful for those who are well disabled in some way, shape or form and are indefinitely confined. So I'd say, neat. 
don't know if good. Mostly because, shocker, I'm not a medical expert. I don't know how good of diagnostic information it gives. Or if this is just be like, I have my vital site, therefore I can do everything at home. And doctors goes, you twit! No! This is garbage information! I can't tell you squat with this! Get in my office now! You dingus! I don't know, because I'm not a medical expert. And I don't even play one on TV. All I do is use my basic logic. Best wearable. This went to the... Mudra band. So I'm just going to go ahead and read verbatim what Engadget said about this. The Mudra band by Wearable Devices LTD impressed us by making the Apple Watch even smarter with gesture controls. It It attaches to the watch like any other strap, but has extra sensors inside that let you control the smartwatch with one hand without using the touchscreen. When paired over Bluetooth Bluetooth LE to the watch, the band sensors detect the interpreted and oh I'm sorry, and interpret the electrical signals that your brain sends to your fingers, then they map those motions used to interact with the Apple Watch's display. This is going to suck, isn't it? The only reason that this company got away with this was because it's a virtual CES and no one could test it to see if it worked, isn't it? Every single time we see something like this being used, we end up finding out that it works nowhere even remotely close to as good as they hoped. Best transportation technology. This went to the Mercedes-Benz hyperscreen. It's an LCD, or I'm sorry, it's an OLED the size of the dashboard. What do you want from me? What else is there to say? It's a, it's a giant OLED screen. It expands from one end of the dashboard to the other. And includes your gauge cluster. Hint, hint, Elon Musk. There's just all there is to it. It's, it's a giant OLED screen. Mercedes-Benz made an OLED screen. Moving on. I'd ask how this beats out the flying car, but I guess this has a higher chance of actually existing. Best home theater product, the Sony 360 Reality Audio Speakers. Okay. All right, moving on. (laughs) I mean, what else do you want me to say? <laughs> the the, the freaking name of the product says it all. They're speakers. It gives you 360 degrees of sound. 
but no one could hear it in person because it was a virtual CES. Oh, what else do you want me to say? It's it's just speaker, the end. Best home-connected product, the Samsung JetBot 990 AI Plus. Samsung made a room, Roomba. It also has a floor scrubber built into it. Also has more modern sensors. I I mean do, do you do you want me to go ahead and just like go this that or the other thing? It's pretty much exactly what you would expect. It's a Roomba except the computing's on board so it can use its more advanced sensors to map out in real time as opposed to following a path and then accidentally falling down the stairs and needing and actually needing like, you know, magnetic strips put to isolate it to one area. And that's Pretty much it. Samsung built a better Roomba. Hopefully it exists. Hopefully it exists and not cost four four digits. Best phone or mobile device? The LG rollable smartphone. I said everything I needed to about the LG rollable smartphone. I am not surprised at one best phone, considering the fact that no other phones actually were shown at CES. That's the other thing this year. A lot of people just decide to hold their own events outside of CES. So it's, you know, it is what it is. Best TV product LG's C1 OLED TVs. These are kind of the middle ground TVs that LG kind of showed off. And these pretty much got the award strictly because they're OLED. And then on top of that, they're excellent quality, and they're now the mid-range price tier. So, we can start seeing a lot of high-end features that are considered only available to those who wanted to spend the highest premium for the best TV experiencing technologies. And now they're going to be available to people who, you know, actually have to think before they write a check. Honestly, it could be pretty cool. That being said, I'm still using a cruddy 720p TV in my own room. With rabbit ears. And a Gen 2 Chromecast. God, my TV viewing experience is absolute hot garbage compared to most people. But I digress. Best gaming product. The AMD Ryzen 5000 mobile CPUs. What? Um. Am I missing something? The CPUs are the best gaming product? 
not the GPUs that do the overwhelming majority of the heavy lifting when it comes to games? Don't get me wrong, I mean, Ryzen has come a long way, and the fact that the 5000 series is now officially the fastest gaming CPU in existence, the mobile version that we can't see benchmarks about? That's the one that we're gonna go ahead and say is the best gaming product? All right, on gadget. I I gotta ask, how much did they pay you? I'm not accusing you of taking bribes. I just want to know so I know about how much I can shill for. I mean, it's it's not just me, right? This seems crazy. This doesn't seem freaking logical at all. Chat wants to know how much coke did did AMD's ship to Engadget's office. Uh, we'll get to that more in a moment. All right. The most unexpected product, the Kohler Stillness Bath. Tech events are, uh, this is verbatim from Engadget. Tech events are typically full of bling and bluster, so it was refreshing and rather surprising to see a bathtub with a mood button at CES 2021. Inspired by Japanese forest bathing, the Kohler Stillness Bath actually fills from the bottom, spilling out into a wooden moat. Heightening the serene experience. Okay. There's otherwise plenty of tech here, despite the nature-inspired roots. It has a full-spectrum mood lighting system. Let me interject. It basically means they put a Corsair RGB strip in it. The paragraph continues. A full-spectrum mood lighting system that that will bathe the tub in a cool blue or warm pinks. A full-on fog generator, and you can have it emit a soothing scent for a stint of aromatherapy. In a year, we're going to a spa is out of the question. The stillness bass sure sounds like a winner to us. All right. Nicole Lee, the the person who wrote this. I I get it. You've been locked inside too long. I, I, I know the feeling. Trust me. We all know the feeling. But we have a job here. <laughs> Are we sure? The bath we wish we had right now because we're sick of sick of, of the El budgeto shower that's in your uh, in your apartment. Do we really think we want to go and inject inject uh, this necess- th- this wish list 
onto the award list. But then again, it is the most unexpected product, and I'm not going to lie. A fountain that also doubles as a bath is very unexpected. So, there is that. Best sports tech. That goes to the Samsung Smart Trainer. A spy camera with AI that watches you do yoga and tells you if you're doing it wrong. Outside of the of the way I just badly explained it, it actually does seem like a pretty good idea. Unless you explain it the exact way I just did, in which case it sounds like a security nightmare. But in either case, interesting. That being said, I actually do feel bad for the yoga studio next door to us at work. They have had no traffic this entire past year. I actually do hope they're able to make it. Especially since, you know, stuff like this is trying to come out. So, there's that. Best TV or... or Best PC... The other two-letter tech device or tablet. This went to the Asus ZenBook Duo. This has always been a very fascinating laptop by Asus. And this actually does exist. Asus already made laptops like this. The screen part of the laptop is still a screen, but the bottom half is half another screen, and in the case of this particular one, is also a Wacom tablet touchscreen, and below that is the keyboard. This kind of concept always intrigued me. And while we're at it, we talked earlier in the podcast about what the ideal streamer laptop would be. This kind of dual screen setup would actually be very fascinating, because you could have your chat your alert windows and everything on the bottom half. And then having whatever you're playing your game on on the top half, it could be very, very interesting and possibly very good from a streamer point of view. Assuming it had the horsepower for it. Now, that being said, there is no artist that's going to use it in the way that Asus is depicting here, where... The artist will have their entire work spread across both screens and only draw on the lower half of it. I see exactly no artists using it this way. Best robot or drone? The Sony Airpeak drone. It is a large drone with a gimbal and a DSLR. Yeah, okay, I can't argue with that. Pretty much everything you want. Image stabilization. It's quadcopter drone, so it's going to fly nice and smooth. You've got a high-end camera on it. Dude, cinematography is going to get really good. Dude, could you imagine if, like, if the weight could handle it? Like, if we're talking about uh, just the film industry, could you imagine if you got, like, a 12K uh, Blackmagic camera on this and it was able to handle it? 
Dude, that could get insane. Very, very interesting. Best sustainability product. Somehow the recycle the automatic recycling sorter didn't win this category. The Samsung Solar Cell Remote did. A universal remote with a solar panel in it. How did that win over the recycling robot? I do not understand environmentalists, man. Every time I think I understand them, they they, they do this thing to me where it's just like, wait, what? But wouldn't it be better to... But why the... How the... What? But... I don't get it. Maybe they need to throw some solar panels on uh, on the recycling robot. Maybe then it would have won. Oh, well. And best in show went to the AMD Ryzen 5000. Okay, that's how much cocaine they shipped to you. I see. Okay. Now everything makes sense. Hmm. I mean, it's better than freaking Impossiburger winning. But. Chat's going hookers and blow. Hookers and blow. Wow. Yeah. Ryzen 5000 series won best in show. Despite the fact that we do not have hard numbers for how well they perform. I'm just saying to win a CES award, these CPUs better first off exist. These mobile CPUs better exist. That's the thing. It's one thing for, and chat's reminding me, and I've been saying this, but in case I'm not making it clear, this is just the mobile series. You want to know why I'm not excited about the Ryzen 5000 mobile series? Because AMD has had a very, very hard time keeping up with demand for their mobile chips in previous Ryzen generations. There's a reason, despite the fact that AMD was the clear superior way to go for laptops, there were more Intel chips. It's because I swear AMD made 12 mobile AMD CPUs. I want to see these in laptops, AMD. It better be an option out there. I'm just saying. While we're at it, let's cover the Verge Awards. And this is going to be super awkward to go through. Because, uh... You know what, actually, let's do it in the order that the Verge has it in. Alright? Let's go in the order the Verge has their CES 2021 awards in. And the reason we talk about the Verge Awards is because over the years when covering CES, the Verge has always had the dumbest awards. So Verge this year started with the best in show. And the Verge also apparently got in on the amount of cocaine that uh, AMD just decided to ship out to all of tech media because there is also 
was the AMD Ryzen 5000 series the CPUs. Though they say just the series. They don't specifically say the mobile ones, despite the fact that only... The mobile Ryzen 5000 series CPUs were showed at CES. So apparently, like, the, like these should be like the most amazing freaking mobile CPUs we've ever seen. We'll see. We'll see, AMD. I'm just saying, they, they're making some claims and, and we have no proof of it. Best laptop went to the Asus Zephyrus G15. And it's a laptop. What do you want from me? Like, there really isn't much to really say about the laptop. Here, here's what The Verge says. Last year, we gave the Best Laptop Award to the Asus ROG Zephyrus G14. We were right to do so. Armed with the aim, blah, 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 yada, 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 And yada, yada. The, the entire first freaking paragraph is just them talking about how amazing they were last year. Okay, short bus. Um, the ROG... All right, then they move on. The ROG Zephyrus G15... Wasn't Ace's headline CES announcement. The company didn't spend much time talking about it at all, and it doesn't look like anything new or groundbreaking. There's no foldable screens, no RGB lights, and it just looks like a slightly bigger version of the G14. Like the G14, it will contain the latest chips from AMD and NVIDIA, but I agree with Asus here. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. And if Asus is able to replicate the massive success it saw with the G14 and a 15-inch form factor, I have no doubt... It'll be one of the best gaming laptops of the year, if not the best one. You gave the award to a laptop that you're admitting didn't innovate at all. And then you wonder, Verge, why people make fun of your PC building skills. But that's mostly because you used an entire jar of mayonnaise to thermally paste the CPU. Best TV, the LG G1 series. We're not even going to... Yeah, no, no, no surprise. They, they just went and copied in Gadget. They just copied in Gadget's homework. I don't know that they actually copied in Gadget's homework. But I mean... I have a hard time ripping on the tech media for judging what's the best TV when they're watching it through their current technology. The whole point of a TV is that it provides an experience you can't, you can only see in person. Then they can't see it in person. I can't rip them for it. So it is what it is. You know, they, they, they made their choice. Best monitor or display, the LG Ultrafine OLED Pro. Same thing with the TVs. How can I rip on you for deciding for something you can't see in person when the whole point is that it provides an experience you can only see in person? 
Best concept. The Razor Project Hazel Mask. Ah, there it is. I knew someone was going to do it. Someone. Someone out there was going to go ahead and give an award to this mask. You knew someone was going to do it. Oh, Verge. You have failed to disappoint me. I knew you would do it. <sighs> Although I will at least give them some credit. The Verge at least does point out it's most likely to be vaporware. It's likely to be very expensive. And that this most likely doesn't have authorization or verification from the Food and Drug Administration. But you tried. You tried. Best robot, the Samsung HandyBot. Didn't we see this a couple years ago? Why is it getting the pick? No, whatever. The whole point of the handy bot is that it is a one-armed robot that can do very, uh, very basic tasks. There's a version of this that has two arms that does cooking for you that was shown off last year. Um, yeah, I, I have really nothing to add other than go seriously. Really? Okay. You do that. Chat says it sounds pretty lewd. Most un most unnecessary use of pods. This is a category now, apparently. I don't think this has ever been a category for an award before. But uh It's a category now. Most unnecessary use of pods. And this goes to a device called Cold Snap. So, enlighten me, for starters. Please tell me, Verge, what do you consider a pod? Well, here's what the article says. A great pod is two things, mildly convenient and ludicrously unnecessary. This year, the runaway winner for most unnecessary use of pods went to Cold Snap, which makes a large countertop appliance that turns the contents of a tall aluminum can into soft serve ice cream. They are among the largest pods we've ever seen and their innovation on demand ice cream at home. Is something we've all been enjoying since the invention of home freezers. All right, so I'm from Wisconsin. All right. In Wisconsin, we know there is a difference between soft serve ice cream and the frozen brick that you leave in your freezer that you need to take a jackhammer to or take a blowtorch to your ice cream scooper in order to get it out 
there is a huge difference in the texture and everything else. Honestly, the thought of having a device to churn a soft serve ice cream on demand is fairly interesting. Unfortunately, this is the first time I have heard of Cold Snap. I have no idea what the size of these pods TM are. I don't know what the cost of this device is. I can't judge anything because the Verge has decided that home ice, that freaking going to the grocery store, getting some ice cream and throwing the freezer until it is a basically a frozen cylinder that you could kill a man with is far superior than whatever this is going to be. I mean, by this logic, I can say, why get this? I'm just going to go and drive down to freaking Leon's and get some of the best frozen custard that exists. Oh, wait, I can't. Because it's the times of the virus. And also my car's broken. Chat says, or you could just go to McDonald's. Okay, let's first off. <laughs> Actually, in my case, I can't go and get any of it because I'm not supposed to have ice cream in the first place. The whole diet thing. Anyway, best CES innovation. The 30-minute keep note. The award for best CES innovation goes to the 30-minute keynote. Vox, you want to know why I make fun of you? You want to know why anytime you put out any sort of words, no one takes you seriously and everyone just assumes you're just making stuff up? This is why. Because the moment that that you think you have something profound to say, you look so stupid that all I can do is just say the title... Move on, and everyone, literally everyone, just points and laughs at you. (sighs) The 30-minute keynote. Anyway, best bathtub. That, of course, went to the Kohler Stillness Bathtub. For quite possibly being the only bathtub! (sighs) I have no words. My words have failed me. I, 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 I just... I can't even... Yes, it's a cool bath. Yes, it's very unique. Yes, we already we, we already talked about this. You just made up the award for best bathtub because you found a cool bathtub. I don't think you there has never been an award for best bathtub in all the years I have covered the Verge covering CES. 
This, my friends, is why I continue to try and find the awards for the CS Awards from The Verge. Because every single time I go over them, I go, you know what? If you think out there, if you sitting there listening to me right now, think that all you're ever going to be is just some random schmuck flipping burgers all day, I say no. Because if someone this dumb can get a job as a journalist, my God, you can too. Literally anyone can. Even this stuffed Monokuma plushie next to me can be a tech journalist if this is the bar. Thank you, Verge. You are an inspiration to us all through the sheer amount of your incompetence. And the final award... The best throwback to ancient Mesopotamia award. The MSI GE76 Dragon Edition Tiamat. They have to know that they're a parody of themselves, right? No one can be this full of themselves and think they are doing a service to the world. That's impossible, right? Oh, I did forget one one last official award. It actually did slip my mind. There is one more official award from Engadget, and that was the People's Choice Award to literally no one's surprise, it went to Ra- Razor's Bare Basic, Nothing New, Razor Blade 15. Because every year, whenever there's a People's Choice Award, every single Razor fanboy and girl in the world votes for the most Razor thing that's out there that's most likely to exist every single year. Which is once again proof that we cannot have nice things. Also, uh, honorable mentions was most hype, the Razer Ben's hyperscreen, most intimidating Wi-Fi router, went to the TP Archer A96, and most likely to scare away small pets, the Sony AirPeak drone. Look, if you're just going to make up awards, and even your honorable mentions are for awards you didn't even make, why not just make them awards? You clearly don't care. You clearly have no standards for what is and isn't an award. Why not just make them awards? Why have an honorable mentions mentions section? Why are they not all just honorable mentions? Why do you even try? Why is the best of show the first thing you list? Why do you just make up categories just to freaking talk about something stupid to show just how freaking stupid you are? Ah! What are they smoking over at the Verge? I I just, I don't get it. I don't get this over and over and over and over and over again. 
They keep trying to insist they're a real organization that they should really be taking seriously and that they are intellectuals. And every single time, they prove to be stupider than a box cutter. Every single year. And every single year, they demand to be taken seriously. And then, of course, when they go ahead and try to make tutorials, they go ahead and they use an entire tube of thermal paste. They keep mixing the two. And then, of course, they have all the fans go the incorrect direction. They do odd cuts. And then they keep doing things over and over and over and over and over again. And every single time, they insist on being taken seriously. And every single time, we say, but the last time you tried to take you seriously, you went ahead and told everyone how to do it wrong. This is why this right here, this in every single year we go over this and every single year I end up going on a tirade and every single time they go, but we're, we're totally for cereal. I will say this as loud and as clear as I can. The verge is about as serious as the South Park interpret interpretation of Al Gore. And every time they keep telling us we're super duper serial. And every single time we listen, they go ahead and they do dumb things like either just copy pretty much verbatim what another tech outlet does because their editors are about as, as capable as this bottle of water I have currently. Or they show how dumb they really are. And just say, I'm going to give the award to this laptop because it's just like the one I kind of liked last year. I don't know how The Verge does it. But as far as being tech journalists, they are lazier than me. And I literally do all my prep in a matter of two to four hours the night before. And I don't get paid. I do more work than The Verge for tech news. And I'm sorry, but like the freaking, the best throwback to ancient Mesopotamia. What award is this? This is what freaking makes me lose it. This is the most nothing award ever. And then the honorable mentions on top of it. Just, oh my God. We're going to take a break here so I can regain my sanity. When we come back, we have, a f we have some wonderful Apple rumors to go. And quite possibly the most tragic story ever. Welcome back, Eagle Eyes on Tech. I'm Eagle Falcon. All right. Mac rumors. There's actually quite a few. First off, the new MacBook Pros that are going to be coming out soon, TM, are going to have a, a couple key changes to them. One. The death of the touch bar. 
The touch bar that no one wanted, mind you, is rumored to be going away and replaced with this crazy thing. I don't know if you ever heard of these, but these crazy new objects called buttons. (gasps) I know. I'm not sure if I'm ready for that change. Apparently, back in ye olden days on your keyboards, you had buttons labeled F1 through 12 grouped in sets of four along with an escapi key. I don't know. I don't don't know if they're ready for this kind of change to have traditional buttons return to a Mac keyboard. But there are some other changes coming too. Like, for example, the return of the magnetic charger, which raises the question. Are they still going to charge through USB? Are we going to have magnetic USB? USB-C? Now, granted, there were actual uh, breakaway USB-C cables that you just plug the mail end into the port, and then you could just pull away the cord. That's been a thing for a while. Are they going to be doing something like that, or... Is the MacBook Pro going to return proprietary charging cables? It confuses me. Oh, yeah, and then, of course, the new MacBook Pros are going to feature, you know, Apple, Silicon, whatever, yada, 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 arm for life or whatever. I'm curious to see how this goes. And you might be thinking, they don't care because I'm going to use Windows PCs for life, dudes. Have you learned nothing from me? Because every single manufacturer out there are sheep. When Apple does something and they're not yelled at for doing so, let me rephrase that. When, When Apple does something and they're not yelled at for it and it actually sells, everyone else copies it the touch bar was introduced nobody liked it people started buying less of it so the PC market decided to innovate on it instead and people started buying into it that's just the way of the world the rest of this though we'll see how things go Jat says an open standard for magnetic USB-C sounds great. It would. We'll have to see if it happens, though. We do, however, have some speculation from a Apple analyst that's had a track record of being accurate over the years. And here's what he says. Rumor has it that the iMac will be redesigned to resemble the Apple's Pro Display XBR. Bloomberg's Mark Grumman, that's the man who's the analyst, by the way, on Friday, reiterates the XDR design with a 21.5-inch and a 27-inch models that will have screens much smaller with much smaller bells, no chins, and a flat back instead of the curved, like the current, current IMAX. No kidding! I've been predicting this since the Pro XDR display came out! (laughs) 
It's literally the easiest prediction in the world to make. Bra- bold words. Bold words. Bravo. Bravo. Ugh. Chat on a previous topic is, is speculating maybe the reason why the Ryzen 5000 mobile series was getting so much praise is that it's supposed to be closer to the ARM chips. It's actually not. So the mobile Ryzen 5000 series is basically just the scaled down version of the Ryzen 5000 desktop series. And the fact that AMD has been so successful with this scale down to the point where it's like almost magic, the amount of power savings it has, it's speculated to be really good. However, you should not look at that without some third-party reviews because anyone, anyone can say their product is going to be amazing and then it turns out that it's bad. Case in point, everything Intel has done for the last four years. Granted, AMD has had a great track record. So their release of this is more believable. However... Being the tech skeptic that I am, I don't trust it until I see some independent benchmarks. I want to see the performance numbers. And more importantly, we've already gotten burned with Ryzen 4000 mobile in the past by not existing. I want to see these chips actually exist. That's kind of where I stand with the mobile Ryzen 5000. I'm not trying to rip on AMD. I'm just saying they've got more to prove before I blatantly go ahead and give them best in show, everyone! Best in show! But in any case, uh, that that's pretty much where I stand on the Ryzen 5000 series. Best in show, not once, but actually just once. The, the verge doesn't count. Now, the more interesting speculation about this, the IMAX speculation, oh yeah, it's going to be more XDR, pro XDR-like, it's going to be thinner bezels and everything, that's easy. Yeah, it's going to look more like the pro XDR display, no kidding. They can make it just as, th- just as thin because it'll use Apple Silicon, no kidding. Did you come with that all on your on your own, or did someone hand you a cheat sheet? These aren't hard predictions to make. What is interesting, however, is the prediction on the Mac Pro. And this is one that I have been wondering about myself. Grumman also reports that the Apple that Apple is working on two Mac Pros. I'm reading from, from the article from Macworld, by the way. One of the Mac Pro models with an Apple Silicon design system on a chip, but the case that is half the size of the current Mac Pro and a mostly aluminum exterior. Grumman says that the design could remind people of the Power Mac G4 Cube. So, here's the thing with that. I actually like the G4 Cube. I thought that design was brilliant. It was user accessible. You could easily upgrade components on it. And for what it was, it was 
very elegant until you looked at it from on top where it just kind of fell apart. However, the size of the current Mac Pro Not a whole lot of the size is actually for compute. It's not like the 28-core Intel Xeon chip demanded half the bloody case for compute. Only about 20% of the internal volume was cooling for that thing. And the RAM was just on the backside of it. Then, of course, you had to have a dedicated GPU because there wasn't one built in on the Xeon for a number of reasons. Well, thank you, phone, for this wonderful interruption. All right, with that interruption out of the way, my point is, with the current Mac Pro, the I would say 75% of the massive tower is dedicated just to expansion. So, downsizing the size of the tower means downsizing the amount of expansion, right? And now, on top of that, I then have to look at what the other Apple Silicon devices have given us. And the most notable is the lack of Thunderbolt ports, or rather USB 4 ports. Devices before that had four of these Thunderbolt ports now only have two. And then on top of that, the expansion is already limited because, as Apple mentioned it with their previous ones, and I don't blame you if you forgot forgot this, the storage is now integrated on the system on a chip. And they were very proud of this fact. Which means that expandable storage is dead. Unless it's going to be inferior. And all of a sudden, I am now very popular and gotten a whole bunch of texts. Okay. And, um, sorry about that. So the whole thing kind of just comes down to what is the point of this particular Mac Pro? Is the Mac Pro, after going in the correct direction, now going to go in the incorrect direction? It's something that's going to be concerning, to say the least. Especially after, well, pretty much every professional in the world praised Apple. But now the other Mac Pro model that's being speculated upon, apparently, will still, in fact, ship with Intel processors. So, are we going to see one more 
Intel-based Mac Pro and then have it be made obsolete by the smaller Apple Silicon-based Mac Pro? Or are we going to go ahead and make an Intel Mac Pro to keep the professionals that want the massive amounts of custom card customization expansion happy and then make a Silicon one to say, hey, you you, you get this one for now. It's going to be more powerful and, and good for all your VFX shops and whatever, but... I'm telling you, this is where we're going to be going. You you better go over to your cube. Many, many questions arise for this. And then finally, we move on to, after realizing that this last tab I had was basically the exact same story I already talked about, we move on to the last burb. The last story of the day, the weirdest story of the week And quite frankly, one of the most tragic stories we have heard in a long time. In the world of Bitcoin futures, where Bitcoin hit its peak recently of $41,000, which then caused a whole bunch of people to pretty much say, you know what, I'm fine, let's sell, and then caused the crash, and then everyone started saying Bitcoin's dead. Because no one wants to think for some reason. But I digress. We turn to one individual that had $250 million worth of Bitcoins on an encrypted hard drive. And he lost the password to the external hard drive. He has tried eight times. Out of the 10 allowed times on the software, and if he fails two more times, the drive self-deletes all the data. Oh! (laughs) Could you imagine? Could you imagine... If this happened to you, could you imagine what let's not imagine for a second. It's it's bitcoins and assuming that for whatever reason, you have no idea how they work. Let's just imagine you actually just had like one of the winning lottery tickets. And it's in a safe. And you forgot the combination to the safe. But if you try too many times to the open it up it self detonates destroying the ticket could you imagine how infuriating that would be i'm not going to lie i feel bad for this guy i feel really really bad for this guy and with that that's going to end today this year's ces episode of Eagle Eyes on Tech. We managed to still remain under Are You Kidding Me? Alright, now that my phone is off again, folks, it is time to just say that is it for this week's episode of Eagle Eyes on Tech. Thank you so much for listening to this very special CES episode of the podcast. We managed to keep it under three hours by 27 minutes. 
which is very important because that is our hard limit on episodes. Folks, I do encourage you to check out our daily podcast, The Early Bird Briefing, a quick four to ten minutes summarized daily version of this podcast, which airs everywhere you can find this one. And also check out my Twitch page, twitch.tv slash Eagle Falcon. We're on Spotify, iTunes, Google Podcasts, even though it's still weird. Everywhere you can get a hold of podcasts where they're Eagle Eyes on Tech and the early burb briefing. Take care, and I hope you have a great day. You know, I really do feel bad for this guy. I really do. I kind of feel for him. I, too, lost the laptop that I did all my Bitcoin mining on back in the day. I'm pretty sure it was sent off to a scrap keep to be destroyed and turned back into raw materials. The difference, though, is that I had one ten thousandth of a Bitcoin, so I'm pretty sure I had a cool $4, whereas this guy had, you know enough money to live on and then some so kind of similar but uh off by about the whole core sum Wee! good luck with that also i need to stop bringing my phone into the studio sheesh